Do you ever wonder where all your money went? Like every single time you look at your bank account? Honestly, it's probably all those subscriptions. I felt that way too, until I got Rocket Money. Rocket Money helped me see all the subscriptions I'm paying for, and it was eye-opening. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it all adds up so quickly. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. CBS Mornings on this Wednesday. I'm Gail King. I'm Tony DeCopo. And Dominic Burles. Hey. All right, we're going to be in, though, with the breaking news, the fast approach of Hurricane Ian, now a Category 4 storm, but edging toward Category 5 status just hours now before making landfall in the state of Florida. High winds and flooding already being reported in the southern part of that state. And more than 2.5 million people at this hour are under mandatory evacuation orders as the possible once-in-a-century storm barrels toward the Gulf Coast. Hurricane Ian has already ripped through western Cuba with winds up to 125 miles an hour. The entire country is without power this morning. We've got a team of correspondents bracing for the storm in Florida, led by our lead national correspondent, that would be David Begnow. David is in Tampa, which is expecting extreme rainfall today. But David, right now it looks sort of like the calm before the storm, true? The calm gale, but the rain and the winds have started. The temperature has actually started to drop. So we are in Hillsborough uh, County. We're at the Hillsborough River, right at the top of Tampa Bay. And again, this area has already to, has started to experience tropical storm force conditions. Uh, Hurricane Ian is still about 60 miles off the coast of Florida. Officials say this is going to affect all Floridians, not just the people on the state's western coast. Uh, Key West, Florida, experienced storm surge last night that actually filled streets and homes. Uh, statewide, you've got more than 50,000 people who are already without power this morning. Uh, storm surge around parts of southwestern Florida could be as high as 12 feet. Now, in preparation for the worst, many people have followed the evacuation orders. A lot of people left yesterday. Others, though, are hunkering down, hoping sandbags and boards on windows is going to help to keep them safe. Uh, yesterday, last night, we had a chance to ride around with a Hillsborough County Sheriff's deputy who was surveying an area that was under mandatory evacuation. And I have to tell you, from what we saw, most people are staying behind. We're going to get to more on that in a moment, but first let's start with Manuel Bajorquez. He is in Fort Myers, Florida. That is about two hours south of where we are, and he's in an area also under mandatory evacuation. Manny, what are you seeing? 
Well, David, good morning. That calm before the storm, well, it's over here. As you can see, we're getting this constant pounding rain and the winds are starting to pick up. But still, preparation is the name of the game. Florida's Division of Emergency Management has already prepared more than two million meals and has more than a million gallons of water on hand to help impacted areas after the storm. And as we await landfall here, other parts of the state are already seeing extreme weather. Ian's outer band spawned multiple reported tornadoes across South Florida Tuesday, a preview of more dangerous conditions to come. One reported tornado damaged several planes at North Perry Airport in Hollywood. This is nuts. She is not happy. In Key West, powerful winds snapped trees as heavy rains and early storm surge triggered flash flooding. Many people moved their cars to higher ground in anticipation, and overnight, rising water began inundating homes along the coast. Earlier Tuesday, hurricane hunters flew into the eye of the storm to collect data, and satellites captured this time lapse of Ian churning and flashing with lightning from space. Here on Earth, NASA finished rolling its Artemis rocket, whose launch Ian delayed, back indoors ahead of the hurricane's arrival. In Tampa, there was a steady flow of traffic out of the city as people heeded evacuation orders. I've been here 45 years, and this is the first time I left for a storm. And from the state's capital, Governor Ron DeSantis delivered this warning late last night. There will be a catastrophic flooding and life-threatening storm surge on the Gulf Coast region. Time to evacuate is coming to an end. Uh, you need to evacuate now. You don't have to traverse all across the state of Florida. Uh, you need to get to higher ground. You need to get to structures that are safe. Another major concern, of course, are widespread power outages. The governor said 30,000 utility workers are on call ready to assist with restoration efforts after the storm. And beyond Florida, Georgia has already declared a state of emergency preparing for extreme weather as Ian heads north. Uh, but again, rain and wind picking up here, conditions only expected to get worse. David? Manny Bohorquez, Fort Myers, Florida. Thank you, Manny. Let's go to meteorologist Felicia Combs from our partners at the Weather Channel. Felicia's in Key West where that flooding started last night. Felicia, good morning. Good morning, David. Yeah, that's right. We really started to see things deteriorate overnight last night. And the problem is, while they've gotten better as we went through low tide this morning around 548, it's going to get worse again. This is such a function of the tidal cycles that we're having here in Key West. So again, as we approach high tide, we're expecting the flooding, this storm surge to return and be bad once again. So here's what's happening. We're leaving it out of low tide, but even around low tide, you can see where the street here is flooded. We're on the west side of the island, so the west side of Key West. This is a flood prone area I've heard, but nothing like this, especially when you're talking about low tide flooding. Now the way that you're looking now, you're looking south. So you'd be looking south towards, say, uh, the Straits of Florida or the Gulf of Mexico off to the west. So what's going to happen is as we get that high tide cycle coming back toward the highest of tide around noontime, this water is going to push back in with that southerly component of the wind 
pushing all of that wind energy, pushing those, that water onshore, and that is going to lead to another round of more intense flooding. A storm surge warning here in effect for the lower keys with three to five feet of inundation possible. And the thing is, it's going to last for several more days with this onshore flow. So we're no, uh, nowhere near being done with this here in Key West, David. Felicia Combs from our partners at the Weather Channel. Thank you, Felicia. I want to show you what it looks like when millions of people are ordered to evacuate at the same time. This is Interstate 4 in Florida. It runs from Tampa on the west coast all the way up to Daytona Beach on the eastern coast of the state. It was packed with vehicles full of people fleeing the storm yesterday. We spoke with one family hitting the road last night just in time. Yeah. This is Glenn Josephic. He decided late Tuesday that it was time for him, his wife Holly, oh and their gosh, two young children, Jet and Isaac, to pack up. They're headed to stay with friends further inland. The storm decides it's going to shift west again, right? Then we're kind of in the, in the worst path. The house right across from the Josephics is on the water. So whatever the storm's final path is, he says his family and the home could be in danger. So the storm goes there, it still all comes through Tampa. Yeah, our biggest concern was the surge with two young kids, right? And that's the main reason why we're leaving. Just trying to calculate the best time to leave. Gil Gonzalez and his neighbors have already boarded up their homes with plywood. He takes care of his elderly parents, and they've already fled the higher ground. We got sandbags and all kinds of anti-flooding devices. Gonzalez and his family aren't alone. But we don't know how, it, how bad it's going to get. Some two and a half million people are under evacuation orders up and down the state of Florida. Hotels in West Palm Beach on the eastern side of the state are already filling up with residents, hoping to escape Ian's projected path. As of right now, they're just mandatory evacuations. We rode along with Sheriff's Deputy Amanda Calderon through Hillsborough County. That's where Tampa is. She took us through parts of the county where everyone has been ordered to evacuate. But she can't force them to. If they stay, she has been telling them that emergency response service could be limited. At what point do you stop responding in a storm? If it becomes a danger to us, they don't want to risk us getting hurt out there. Still, some people are ignoring the order, and they're going to ride it out, but not the Josephics. The right thing to do with the, when you have kids. If we didn't have kids, maybe not. <laughs> it's too much work. I got to tell you, on our way back to the hotel last night, we noticed most people in this area have decided to stay. Look, I grew up in Louisiana. We're used to dealing with hurricanes all along the Gulf Coast. Oftentimes, you see people stay after a hurricane. But again, the mandatory evacuation orders are in place up and down, at least the western side of the state of Florida. Guys, we'll toss it back to you for now. All right. Thank you, David. I thought he made a really good point that if you decide to stay. Yeah. You might not be able to get help when you need it, if you need it, if you need it. Tony, you're familiar with staying during storm warnings. Yeah, I mean, growing up in Florida. The calculate, yeah, growing up in Florida, you know, people for years and years, particularly in a place like the west coast of Florida, they've been hearing warnings and then the storm wobbles away and they don't get hit. It's been a hundred years since they've had something big, so people start to doubt. They don't believe the it. Reports, but this one seems to be heading for you, and I think you should take those warnings seriously. Yeah. Um, you know, absolutely. Yeah, and we'll check back in with David a little later on in the show. In other news, natural gas pipelines are the latest flashpoint between Russia and Western Europe amid tensions over the war in Ukraine. Two pipelines started leaking yesterday after apparent underwater explosions. European Union officials suspect sabotage. 
Charlie Daggett is in Ukraine, where Russia may be about to claim four eastern provinces as its own territory. Charlie, good morning. Good morning to you, Nate. President Putin is widely expected to formally announce the annexation of those four territories on Friday. That makes this a fight on Russian soil, as far as he's concerned, wanting to use all means necessary at his disposal to defend it. Even with some of the worst of the fighting raging along the Russian-occupied territories, forced ballots cast at gunpoint. The head of Russian-backed Donetsk described a colossal victory, saying it wouldn't be true to say we didn't expect such a result. Neither did anyone else. This farce in the occupied territories cannot even be called an imitation of a referendum, said Ukrainian President Zelensky in last night's address. The Ukrainian military released this video said to show special forces overrunning Russian positions in the Donbass region. If President Putin annexes territories here and elsewhere, as expected this week, he can claim that Russia itself is now under attack, justifying the deployment of conscripts and even, he hinted, a nuclear response. The first of around 300,000 reluctant reservists are being trained and are expected to be pushed up to the front lines long before they're ready, let alone willing, to fight. Russian men trying to escape the draft have fled to the border with Georgia, lines so long they can now be seen from space. When you go to fight in a stupid war to kill your brother, says this man, it is a war about nothing. A war President Putin may not just be losing in Ukraine, but in Russia, too. A renewed nuclear threat comes from the deputy chairman of Russia's Security Council, Dmitry Medvedev, saying, I want to remind you, the deaf who hear only themselves, Russia has the right to nuclear weapons if necessary. Gail? All right, Charlie Daggett reporting from Ukraine. Thank you, Charlie. Police in Philadelphia say gunmen targeted a group of high school football players after a scrimmage yesterday. One of the players, a 14-year-old teenager, was killed. Four others were wounded, and police are still looking for the attackers. Philadelphia has been hit by a rise in violence in recent years. Now, this shooting happened just hours after the mayor banned guns and other deadly weapons from all recreation areas in the city. In Washington, the House Select Committee investigating the assault on the Capitol has postponed what had been today's planned public hearing due to Hurricane Ian. But a rioter who confessed to one of the most violent attacks on January 6th is headed to prison for a good long time. Scott McFarland is on Capitol Hill following all of this for us. Uh, Scott, the judge said from the bench that this was a one-man wrecking ball. Good morning. Good morning, Tony. And this is one of the longest prison sentences handed down in any January 6th case so far. Kyle Young of Iowa will spend more than seven years in prison for his role in the attack on injured D.C. police officer Michael Fanone. Fanone's body camera footage showing the brutal assault was a key part of this case. And Fanone testified at sentencing yesterday, arguing January 6th helped end his career. Federal Judge Amy Berman Jackson, in issuing the sentence, described Kyle Young's actions that day as some of the darkest acts committed on one of America's darkest days. Meanwhile, jury selection resumes this morning in one of the highest profile capital riot cases. Five accused Oath Keepers, including founder Stuart Rhodes, they're charged with seditious conspiracy, accused of 
plotting to block the peaceful transfer of power, of staging guns outside the city limits, and of directing a military stat formation to breach the police line that day. They pleaded not guilty. Today's January 6th committee hearing was expected to focus on the Oath Keepers and any connection they may have had to former Trump ally Roger Stone. The committee will reschedule that hearing, postponed due to the hurricane, and will have to do so by the end of the year. Gail? All right, we're all still watching. After looking at the video, it's so hard that anybody could ever characterize that as no big deal. Right. Just patriots hanging out. Thank you very much, Scott. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money, and maybe more importantly, on your life. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app. Do you ever feel like there's nothing new in the news? You know there are urgent things happening in the world around you, but all you hear is noise. That's why we made What Next? Our goal is to tell you the stories you haven't heard before, or maybe a different side to the story you thought you already knew all about. I'm Mary Harris, the host of What Next? And I love my job because it helps me cut through the noise of the news. And then I get to bring it to you. Together, we can figure out what next. 